What's going on, year 2011? Matt Cohen here from the future. Oh, shit, you didn't expect that, did you? Why would you? You live in a time where time travel isn't uh, readily available yet, nor is inter-time dimensional communication, which is what's going on right now. They call it inter-time dimensional communication. You may think I, I'm not saying that right, but that's what they call it in the future. How would you know you live in the past? And I look, 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 we got off to a bad start. Why am I, hey, why is Matt Cohen talking to me from the future before I listen to a podcast in the present, which he's on also, and why, how does he sound the same? A, uh, this shit don't crack, you know what I mean? And B, I'm talking to you from the future because I'm your friend. I want to help you out. I've been your friend throughout the last foreseeable years. I know this because I'm in the future, and I know what happens. Uh, don't even ask me about television because I don't want to give out spoiler alerts, all right? And speaking of spoiler alerts, I don't want to tell you what happens with the world, but let me clue you in on something. All that money you guys are worried about, you know, oh no, Obamanomics and, and high income tax for the rich, and what, oh, what's going to happen with the stock exchange? None of it matters, because here's what happens. In about 20 years or so, and again, I don't want to spoil the exact date, because I want to keep it fun for you guys. Money goes out the window. Psh! It means nothing. We don't need it anymore. The gold it was based on gets melted down and turned into grills, and everyone wears grills now. But that that doesn't matter because everyone wears them in the world, so it's kind of devalued. I'll tell you what becomes our new system of bartering and economy in, in, in the bright, beautiful future. Comic books and comic book swag. And here's what I would do if I were you. If I had a time machine. See, I don't have a time machine. I just have... The ability to talk to people in the past through the means of uh, podcasting. But if I did have a time machine, I would go back to, I don't know, the year 2011, and I would head down to Golden Apple Comics. That's right, Golden Apple Comics, serving Hollywood for over 25 years, and the Hollywood area, of course. And you could find them online at goldenapplecomics.com on the internet, which which still existed, I believe, in 2011. I, again, no spoiler alerts, but enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, go to goldenapple.com and just hoard yourself on comic books and, and comic book merchandise. They got t-shirts. They got action figures. They got rare signed stuff. They have crazy events where you can meet the creators, get stuff signed, and then hoard it. Because in about, oh, I don't know. 30 to 40 or so years again no spoiler alerts you're gonna want those comic books because then you're gonna use them to trade for food for your family so they don't die of dysentery which is rampaging all over uh the western hemisphere dysentery is like oh so annoying at this point with the dysentery i wish i had more comic books so i could buy goods and medicine if only in the year 2011 i'd gone to golden apple comics and stocked me up i would have been set so folks Take a tip from the future, head to Golden Apple Comics, get some comic books, get some t-shirts, get some, some mini busts, because all of those things in the future is what the world thrives on, and you're going to be in the future, huh? Exactly. That's a message from me, Sergeant at Arms, Matt Cohen. That's another whole story, but goldenapplecomics.com. Check them out. Save your future. Because I'm a fucking dork, I like bags and boards. Because I'm a fucking dork, I like bags 
bulletin boards because I'm a fucking dork. My comic book collection gives me an erection. What? Oh, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the first ever bagged and boarded live from Golden Apple Comics. How's everybody doing tonight? Yeah, that was very fucking unenthusiastic. Like, people are going to think I chloroformed and dragged you here. And was like, sure they like comics. Like, ask them about Casper the Friendly Ghost. And they're like, don't ask me about the ghost. He does bad stuff to me. Uh, welcome to Golden Apple Comics. Uh, as you can tell from that uh, warm, warm welcome, folks, there's about, I'm going to say, 15,000 people here. There are literally people hanging off of comic book racks. Like, this week's new releases are all about to go to shit, but it's all it's all an enthusiasm for the show, and we really appreciate it. Uh, as you folks know, uh, first off, uh, we're fought, brought to you by the fine folks here at Golden Apple Comics and the fine folks at the Smodcast Network and all things Smod. This show was uh, usually performed at the Smod Castle over on Santa Monica Boulevard, but since we don't own it anymore, we'd all be trespassing if we did it there. Which might make, like, for a fun podcast adventure. Like, go see a show, possibly get a felony fucking rap on you, but it'll be a night to remember and you'll all bond. Like, you guys will get, like, matching tattoos and stuff of, like, that date, and people are like, what's that tattoo about? And you'll be like, we never tell. You're like the ally, you're like the cast of Lord of the Rings. Like, no one knows where that tattoo is, supposedly. But people who fuck Sean Bean would probably know. I've thought about that. And if you've seen the dudes, the chicks that dude rolls with, like, he, there's a lot of people who've seen that tattoo by this point. Let's just put it that way. But uh, no, we're all we're all sharing a first ever here experience. We're here at beautiful Golden Apple Comics in Hollywood, in the heart of Hollywood. Um, and the great thing about podcasting from a comic book store is that if anyone gets bored at any point, just read a fucking comic. Like, if you don't like what I'm saying, Manhunter is right behind you. Now you're gonna have to pay for it because no one wants your greasy Frito fingers on their new comic books here at Golden Apple. But either read a comic or uh, transcribe a comic. You know what I mean? Has anyone ever done that? Like, there's a comic you really like, and you're like, oh, I don't want to spring for it. So you literally copy it down like you're at the Guggenheim or something. Like, get an easel and stuff like that. Uh, you could do that. I mean, it's just it's fun for me to podcast in a comic book store because I just, instead of, you know, you can't do a theater. So what other kind of stores could I podcast in? A deli? I only say that because I'm Jewish, and I want to be surrounded by hard salami at all times. And that wasn't where you'd think. I could have went with pastrami, but I was being honest, and that's my favorite cold cut, hard salami. So I went... I went with the gay route. Um, no, I'm, I'm really pr- glad to be here, and I'm surrounded by my best friends in the world. And you guys all know them. There's Darth Vader up there and the Uncanny X-Men. And, and all my real real hardcore people have been here through my life. So I want to – I don't even need an audience. I would just talk to that Wolverine poster the entire time. Like, that's my core demographic anyway is Wolverine, literally. You know how Stephen King's got, like, a constant reader? Before every show, I'm like, Dear Logan – uh, <laughs> no, but we have, we have some exciting stuff planned here, folks. Um, we're gonna be doing this show a lot here at Golden Apple Comics. We've got some great guests lined up in the future. We got some awesome, uh, kind of tie-in events going on. It's, the future is bright. You've gotta wear, uh, the Horace Grant glasses. Cause we're not going with shades. Cause we might have to play basketball at some point, guys. And you wanna protect your eyes. So, um, without further ado, uh, I couldn't, couldn't be more pleased to kick off Bag and Boarded here at Golden Apple Comics and with the gentleman who's joining me here tonight. You folks know him from his work in every single animated series and video game ever made, literally. Except for, like, Pokemon Blue, because there's no human voices. They don't talk. Except for Meowth. There's some trivia for you. The one Pokemon who's mastered the uh, human, human dialect is Meowth. And he still says Meowth a lot, which... Makes you think that he's not even really working that hard. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know the Darth Farling guest from his work on such programs as Mad TV, 
as from such film roles in such films as Pulp Fiction, and ladies and gentlemen, Hermes Conrad from Futurama, please welcome Mr. Phil Lamar. Hey. How are you, sir? Thank you, sir. Thank w- you. Welcome, welcome to the show. So you, you're in a, you're an LA guy originally, right? You're, yep, born and bred. So this is right down the, the old stomping ground from you, or? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been coming to Golden Apple for a long, long time. Do you want to date yourself real quick or no? Uh, no, I, you know what? I can't do that kind of math. It's Neither just, can I. I'm really just, bad at math. The numbers are too big. Like, I learned Spanish in high school fairly well, but I can't add single digits. <laughs> Once you get to like seven plus eight, I'm like, I'm out, guys. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, up to, good up to five. No, yeah, same with me. Yeah, round, it's, it's a nice number. Right? My brain can deal with it. But, uh, you're, you're an LA local, so you grew up, I mean, you hear people from like the, I've interviewed people from the middle of Kansas who are like, there wasn't a comic book store for 300 miles and that one only stocked Betty and Veronica double digest or something. <laughs> right, or people had to, to, to shop at like the, you know, the, the you know, store, the CVS or whatever, the drugstore. To get store. their comics, yeah, yeah, which are always like eight months old. Even right. to this day, Barnes & Noble has a rack of single-issue comic books that are years old. It's like, why, why even bother? Little kids don't know. They're like comics, <laughs> and parents are like, money, and that's how that works. But, yeah, exactly. So you grew up in the kind of the heart of, of y- you could get comics if you wanted to, I'm sure, in Los yes, Angeles. Yes, yes. No, no, that was, that was, uh, that was part of the, uh, the thing, you know. Uh, I remember after school on uh, New Comic Book Day, I would uh, go down Ventura to, God, what was the shop? It was like ABC Comics at that time. Um, what else? Uh, we're going to shut the door real quick. We just let the throngs right. in. We just let the last 2,000 people in, so now we can shut the door. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, actually, that I started buying after I inherited. I inherited somebody's collection. Like, the, the family next to us had a son who had just come back from college, and I think the mother was about to throw him out. And she said, here, do you want his comics? It's either the garbage or you, yeah. Right. He <laughs> handed me, this, like, 22-year-old kid handed me, like, two long boxes Full of stuff. I had stuff like older than me. I still have a few of them. I have, awesome. I have some like 1966 Mad Magazines. Wow. You know? And it's funny because I was like reading all this stuff, you know, 20 cents, you know, comic, you know, these you know, old, the ads old in comics. the back. Yeah. Yeah. They're like at home lobotomies, $5 or something. You know what I mean? Well, it's funny because. Sell your children in the back <laughs> of a comic book. Like there was crazy shit back then. Right. Yeah. And the and the Stanley letter columns, Excelsior. No, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, the, and the no prizes. So you you did you grow up a geek? You grew from a young age. Were you into comics and cartoons and that sort of stuff? Or yeah, you, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've been wearing glasses since I was ten. So that does. I'm by right definition there, right? a geek. Yeah. You know, either a geek or a doctor. <laughs> I feel like. Um, so, but you grew up reading books. You, did you grow up watching a lot of a lot of cartoons? Was that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. What were some of your favorites? Um, were you like a Warner Brothers guy or a yeah? Tex no, Avery I was. Guy? I was. I was Bugs Bunny. When people ask me, like, who are your influences? What actors do you model your career after? My you, my first answer is usually Bugs Bunny. You know, because that I mean the the old Warner Brothers cartoons were you know my comedic Bible. That's where my sensibility was created. For and for a lot of people, I think too, and for kids especially, who it's so subversive, you don't even realize that you're getting a comedy education. Oh yeah, and you're absorbing stuff, and you have no idea. I mean. Bugs is fucked up. Like, yeah, go back and watch that shit. Like, yeah, the thing I love is like you'll watch something and then twenty years later watch it again and realize, oh, that's what that was a reference to. Calvin and Hobbes and the Far Side, sir. That was the best right. the journey of my life. Was reading those as a kid and being like, he is a stuffed animal. Then being like, oh no, he's a terribly depressed child and no one helps him. 
like someone should have taken that stuffed animal away from him, you know, that, <laughs> that sort of thing, though. But so you, you had a fundamental kind of education in, in, in the ways of the geek growing up, it sounds like. Yeah, well, although it's, it's weird because I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I missed out on. And I don't know if that was uh, because of my age. I feel like most of like the stuff that people now look at like is the classic, you know, animated shows. None of that stuff was happening when I when I was like little, we talking like Herculoids. All the stuff that they're bringing back now, I didn't watch. Okay, so everything they're rebooting, My, My Little Pony, which I think was, we're not talking about, but but yeah, that was way. Have after. you seen those billboards around town? They're pretty. The bridesmaids one. The ones, bridesmaids yes. one, right? Well, on, well you on know, the Valley. Yeah, the the woman who first like revamped uh, uh, My Little Pony for her Hub was a woman named Lauren Faust who. Was one of the uh, co-creators of Foster's Home for Imaginary which Friends, which is which you you worked on. Yeah, as, I did. I did the voice of Wilt, Wilt, which is one of my favorite characters. One of my favorite shows too. Uh, yeah, show it's such that, a good show, and, and an underrated show. I don't think a show many people know about, or they, or well, they might know Boo or something. You know, yeah, it's weird because it's not like uh, I don't think it's actually a geek show. It doesn't have like hardcore fan base, but it's a kind of show that. Anybody who watches it can dig it. Absolutely. And we'll, and we'll get into that, the voiceover work a little bit later. But yeah, I think, uh, Foskers was kind of the precursor to this new wave of adventures, t- adventure time regular yes. show where you're either a four year old and you love it or you're a fucking 26 year old stoner and you're right. like, someone's writing this d- directed to me. Like there's a picture of me on their wall or something. Right. Well, because it's like when I was in junior high, I worked on the Mr. T cartoon. In junior, so that, that's a great jump to it. In junior high, you would, you were doing your first voice work already. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did you realize at that young an age that you had something? Did did, did someone discover? Are you like the voice uh, Lana Turner or something? <laughs> yeah. Instead of Schwab's, you were in a comic book store. And someone no. Was like, Say you want Superman again, kid? <laughs> With a big cigar. But I. But I. No. Uh, it was just like I did plays in uh, you know junior high and high school and. Uh, there was like a friend of my mother's who knew they were hiring real kids for this cartoon. It's like, oh, he should come in and audition. And basically, it wasn't like, I'm pursuing a dream. It was, this is my summer job. There's like a bunch of us. There was one girl who was on a show called Square Pegs, but most of us weren't yeah. professional actors. We would just come in on the, in the summers, record our 10 episodes. With Mr. T in the room or no? No. We did it uh, for three years they don't like kids and near never Mr. T. met Mr. T. The, the first season... They told us it was because, well, T's a little embarrassed about his reading skills. So they told that to kids. Yes. They're like, listen, eight year olds, this adult, he can't read for shit. You're all smarter than him. So we can't bring him in. Seriously. Because you'll make fun of him. So they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Should we try to explain why we wouldn't be meeting? Because that's the thing. I mean, you're like a 12 year old kid. And that was when Mr. T was big. Like they had to come up with something. Oh, they had tea, pez and shampoo. Yeah, that was the. Everything you was know. tea at that time. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then second season, they said, well, he's so busy with everything. We have to fly to Chicago to record him. We just can't even get him. There's no way. I'm so sorry. And then by third season, nobody was asking. That's awesome. It's like, it? we just got to finish the order. Years later in Mr. T biography, he's like, I just hate kids. <laughs> Don't like them. Don't stand them. Can't work with them. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so so at, in junior high school, when I was, I don't even, I wasn't even doing anything cool. I was, I was still... I was a child at that point. Like my life consisted of like staying up to try to catch all of TGIF, so I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be like out of the loop on Monday. You were already doing voice work on a, on a on a show for television. Well, it wasn't a good show. It's a show. I mean, it was, hey, it was a really bad. Show. <laughs> we can't. No, nobody's trying to reboot the Mr. T cartoon. You can't win them all. Oh, Mr. T just had an idea. He's a, he's a big fan of this <clears> podcast. <throat> yeah. 
Hmm, maybe I bring that back. Still won't work for kids, though. Yeah, yeah. You need a void coder or whatever. <laughs> um, so, did you, from working on that show, did you realize, like, wow, this is, you, so you'd already been acting in plays and stuff like right. that. Did you realize, this is definitely what I want to do now? Absolutely not. After your, no? No, I had no idea. Seriously, all it was, was a summer job. That's, I mean, that's all I thought of. The coolest this. summer job of all I didn't, time. I didn't think about like networking or maybe I should meet the producers and hey, I've got a pitch for a cartoon myself. None of that. I worked at a Birkenstock store, which I thought would be like a cool hippie thing. It's your Al Bundy. Really? For stoner women, which isn't as fun. Oh, yeah, no. That was my summer a, job. That's not a good mix. And you're like cutting it up with Mr. T. That just seems as, as a young kid, that would, that would seem. Well, years later, I realized, oh wow, I probably should have made something of that opportunity. I mean, you, you know. kind of did, man. We can go through the resume later. Well, but no, but you, like, the, the you whole... have the longest time to be on the internet. I mean, <laughs> you the... you caught you laughed Mr. T eighty times by this point, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, the only thing I took away from it that helped me down the line was uh, I got into the union from doing that show. You were in so, SAG, from, yeah, from yeah, for the, so for the Screen Actors Guild. So later on, like. You know, six years later when I realized, oh, maybe I should actually pursue this acting thing. I actually had that in my back pocket, which I'm sure made a huge difference. No, absolutely. Now, just perusing your, your history on the internet, you took a jump from Mr. T to Yale University? Yes, yes. Okay. That's where I went to college. That's yeah. what everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, really? What, what are you here for? And one guy's like, I'm here to study economics. You're like, I was a kid on the Mr. T cartoon. <laughs> Put me in the skull and bones. Right. Uh, yeah, well, maybe that's why I didn't get into skull and bones. Like, <laughs> well, well, we really like everything, but ooh, there's one black mark on your record. So That's literally a black mark. <laughs> with a mohawk. With chains. No, yeah. What What was that like? Did, were you there to pursue acting? Did you go for drama studies at Yale? Or? Um, sort of. Like, uh... I, I had a choice between going to uh, Carnegie Mellon University, which had like a real serious conservatory acting program. It's like, you know, we cut people every year or going to Yale, which I thought had like, you know, had a reputation for doing drama and stuff. And I thought, well, I don't want to get cut in my sophomore year. Why don't I just like go someplace where I can get like a broader education? Why don't I settle for Yale? <laughs> well, it, it turned out like they had one full-time faculty member in the the theater major, which actually wasn't theater. It was theater studies. So wait, you're not teaching us theater? No, we're teaching you how to study theater. How to watch. That was like right. uh, film school. It was like, first, you learn how to watch movies. You're like, I'm 19 years <laughs> Did I take the college class for three-year-olds? Like, Right, exactly. I, I know I, how to watch a movie. I, I know. I realize that it's a baby crib falling down the steps. What do we do with it now? <laughs> like, we just spent a week on this, like... Um, but so you, it was that your kind of indoctrination into fine acting as it were? Um, or? no, no. I, it's, it's funny cause I wound up being an English major instead and just getting a nice liberal arts education, like a broad education, which I think helped. Uh, cause rather than going in like, I have studied acting, I am, you know, cause it, it's not really something to study. It's something to practice. It's something to, you know, get used to. But I don't think that necessarily, like, classes on acting necessarily make you a better actor. If you say studying, people imagine you're wearing a beret. It's just, it takes, it makes it sound a little pretentious. Well, because well, the, the thing is, like, most acting classes that somebody pays to take, you're not studying. You're doing. You're learning. You're like, yeah. listen to somebody, they'll give you some pointers, you get up and you try it out. And, you know, drama classes in college or, th you know, theater classes, it's like, well, you're going to learn about, you know, dramaturgy. 
that's which is not going to help you be a better actor. I don't even know what it is, but I want it on a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> it's like dramaturgy. Yeah, just, <laughs> you know it goes all the way around. You know, so I mean, but I got to do plays like Chris Fumatu Maafala from the Steelers. My one sports reference class. That's what I like that. I think. Um, but you got to do plays, and you did something else at school. You found you you founded an improv group. Right? Yes, that that more than anything of, in my college experience, I think has fed my eventual career. As, and it was called uh, Purple Crayon, right? Mm-hmm. And it was with Greg Pack was part of it. Yes, which is if you guys look around the room, there's Greg Pack's here tonight too. He's just not talking. <laughs> He's just there's a lot of hulks involved with him. Uh, <laughs> Had you had an improv background before that? Because I, I studied improv with UCB, and I'm an improv oh, okay. guy myself. So, so I'd be curious. Was that no? Just I, I had never done improv uh, before that. Um, I there was a guy, you know, who I'd done a play with freshman year, who spent a summer in Chicago. Uh, a guy named Eric Berg studying at Second City and uh, Improv Olympic with Del Close. I saw the big name I was going to bring up in a little bit. Yeah, and so he learned. And if you for know, folks who don't know, Del Close is the god of all things improvisational comedy. Like when you sign up for improv classes, they make you buy a book called The Truth and Comedy by Del Close. Mm-hmm. Like he was the he, Bill Murray and Amy Poehler and and everyone in the world that you love and know was trained by this man. Yeah, it's or funny least, because because yeah. before Del, there were a bunch of. Uh, Academics, you know, like Keith Johnstone and Viola Spolin, people who used improv, you know, improvisation as a teaching tool or as a psychology stuff sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff. Dell was the one who took it and really like accented the comedy and turned that into not necessarily something, you know, that it marketed, but he taught it in such a way that his students then Blew up into he, he something that people some, could relate something to. Something called the Herald, which everyone, yeah. every student learned. I mean, we're getting real nerdy comedy talk here, but, but screw <laughs> you guys. I mean, come on. Uh, it was free. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, so you, so you had a friend who had studied with Dell. Yeah. And, and so he brought it back. Like it was, you know, like somebody like traveling to the Holy Land. I've come back with a gourd. He came back with the idea of a Herald. <laughs> Tell me of this saffron you speak of. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> um, and, we had never, he just described it to us. I remember him sitting down there and like drawing three circles on a piece of paper. And then we're like, okay, all right, let's try it. You're like, is this math or comedy? Right. right? So yeah. we, we spent like three months learning how to do this like really, and this was the early Herald. Like Dell had just like started to piece it together. And so we're sitting here doing this thing we had never seen. So we were just learning it in a vacuum. You know, it's like, well, is this it? You know, you just had no clue. And you guys were the apes in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Right. But the monolith, it was a Herald improv format. (laughs) Exactly. It does something if I do this. We Um, need a group scene. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I I think in some ways it was actually uh, good for us because we weren't watching other people and trying to ape them. We were taking this abstract concept and just sort of filtering it through our own experience. And then later when we went to Chicago. Um, as a group. You, you yeah. brought the group to Chicago. Yeah, 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 as a group, we just like went uh, to Chicago, like a pilgrimage, um, and did this uh, college team improv competition. And our heralds were different from everybody else. It's because everybody else was coming. We, we were like a mutant strain, you know, because everyone else came from the same. It's like, they were well, in the same school, literally. Yeah, and yeah. watching the same people. And it's like, oh, this is how you do it. We didn't have any idea of how you do it. So we're just like, well, this is how we do it. What do you think? 
You know, like this is how we do it at Yale, Chicago folks. <laughs> oh yeah, they didn't like that, <laughs> um, especially because you had Yale sweaters on and like apples in your hands that you were constantly shining. Well, the, the hilarious thing is, of the twelve people that I started that group with, I believe I am the only one. No, no, no. There are two of us who are still involved in entertainment. Everybody else is like electrical engineers, retired, and, and, became dentist and, and, stuff. and except for yeah. Greg, you know, who was, who was a, who went into film and uh, and comic books as, and, as well. But yeah, out of you know those first three years, two, three of us. But you had gotten the comedy bug by that point, right? I mean, well, I you know what? I just loved improv. It like fed me in a way that was like, oh, this is just such a cool thing. And like, and of course, you know, when you're 19, 20, it's like, this will be the philosophy for my life going forward. You know, it's just like, everything is honest and everything is in the moment. This is how I'm going to be. It's like, which actually just... You break down for, the improv rules. You're like, yeah, yeah. Every, everyone is, is, is motivated by what they... No one, you know what I mean? It's all that you... Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's and you try to, to, you try to apply that to your bit. life yeah. and you're just like, wow, actually, I'm just a dick. Yeah. I'm just... I had... Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm the biggest improv supporter in the world and I've done improv for years, but the last time I tried to do improv, I'd I had I moved from New York to LA and I I'd signed up for a special something and it was I was going through a weird moment in my life and it was like two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday and we're in a scene and I had like a weird Jerry Maguire breakthrough. I was like, <laughs> We're all adults. We should have jobs. Like I'm pretending to be an astronaut. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> like what the fuck are we doing here, guys? Like I just got real freaked out, and I, have, I, you know what I mean. I stopped doing formal improv. Oh no, I, I get that. I remember cause it was that I wasn't a kid anymore. It was that sad moment of like, oh shit, I look like an asshole now. Whereas well, I never cared I know. I was like, about that. Why am I still playing pretend? Yeah. with a bunch of other grownups paying yeah. to play pretend with exactly. other grownups too. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember because after um, I graduated Yale, I came back home to L.A. and started taking classes at the Groundlings just to do some improv. And that short form, too. So that, yes, that was which was entirely very different. different kind of improv that you'd been doing. But yeah. I had a buddy who worked in the office. I'm like, okay, well, you get half price on the classes? Sure, okay. Um, but it was weird. It was very weird, one, to be paying to do it. I mean, that's a Jones right there. It's like, I like doing this so much here. It's $200. They're like, uh, we'll laugh at you sometimes. Right. And then that's worth money, right? Right. And... um but I had to relearn a different kind of improv. Totally different kind of improv. And then yeah. I remember there was a period where, like, I wound up going through the Groundlings program without really intending. I just, like, every time I felt the Jones for doing some improv, I'd sign up for another class. And then I hit this one point where you're supposed to be writing and, you know, doing sketches, you know, writing sketches from your improvs. And I got into this class and I'm like, I can't improvise. I don't, I no longer know how to do this. And I and I I dropped out. Isn't it a scary? You know. Isn't it a, a scary but but final feeling? Because I had that same thing. Was like I don't have it anymore. I got to stop right now. You know. It's, and it was just like okay, wow, this is something I thought. And and it's weird because it's it's your life and like shit changes and you change and like I wound up I think six months later going back and I was and I felt like I was felt back better in my group. For it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like at that time it was just like no. And I don't know. Maybe if I like you know, pushed through or something. But I'm like, you know what? When the teacher goes, all right, everybody, for the second half of class, we're, um, we're just going to work on trying to get Phil some material. Like, whoa, no, yeah, no, no. I should not be on the bottom of the curve. Like, and some, paying some, for it, too, right? right? Yeah, this yeah. Some, if, if this is where I, I am. I be napping right now. It's right. Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> I, need to, I, need to, I need to go and, like, revamp or reboot or whatever right on but had you'd been you'd been going on auditions and stuff around town at the same sort of time when did your acting career kind of kick off around actually it it took off from the groundlings because this was back in what the early late 
early 90s. Um, and I was taking classes at the Groundlings. I was in the program, not in the company. And they were starting to get a rep, and people would come there looking for to comic actors. People, yeah. And the funny thing was, if they came there looking for somebody of any color at all, we have someone like Phil Lamar. You were their option. I was the <laughs> only one. So, like, I started getting work from the Groundlings or through the Groundlings before I actually made it through the Groundlings, you know. And and I was started doing, you know, more professional stuff, you know, sitcoms and little bits. You know, I did some show called Into the Night, which was an ABC late night show uh, that started out being hosted by Rick Dees. And nice. sh- of Disco Duck fame. Oh, yes. Rick Dees is back. <laughs> um and the show was he. he I'm w- mad because that billboard took over the uh, jumping the broom one by my house, <laughs> which was like the Sinclairs are uptown, the Watsons are downtown. Like that's a story of life. You exactly. know what I mean? Now you got to look at Rick now Dees. Now Rick face. Dees every day. Um, no, he was so wealthy at that time from radio that he bought the time slot from ABC. <laughs> so because he wanted a TV show, and the show was so bad. That ABC had to buy the time slot back from him to get him off the air. That's so awesome. He held air hostage. Seriously, they were just like, no, you've got to go. And so they like pulled him off the air, but like, well, what do we do with it now? And they just like kept for like about six weeks, they just threw people in there. It's like, I'm Tony Danza. Well, my late night show, like anybody who would come in for a week. And finally there was, uh, Jack Lemon's son, Chris Lemon. Didn't even know he had a son. Yeah. Neither did Jack. No, um, <laughs> Walter Matthau knew, though, oddly, <laughs> yes, for exactly. some reason. He's really tall. <laughs> um, this guy was, like, the host of one incarnation of the show, and it wound up running until, like, they just, you know, it's like, okay, well, we've got six more weeks before our, you know, the, the other thing is ready. You guys can take it. And so we did, like, bad sketches. and. So you just you know, had your own TV show on ABC to do No, no, no. I was, I was, like, a performer ni- on ninth it, though, level, but... you know, uh, of the ensemble. But but still, it must be kind of cool to have to at that age to get to play yeah. around on a TV show like that. Right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You don't know how bad it is. You just know you're working. <laughs> I mean, and speaking of some of your earlier work, I mean, it's you've. I literally, I I wrote down a lot of shows, but it would take me four hours to name every <laughs> single one. Well, don't name the bad ones. Uh, I mean, well, let's start. Let's start with with the big one. Uh, you the, maybe the first um few times I saw you were uh in like it's Pat. Biodome and Pulp Fiction. Now, one of those is a great film. <laughs> it features William Atherton, and he sings to a coconut in it. No, no. <laughs> I, I do love me some Biodome, though. Free mahi mahi. But uh, Pulp Fiction was the first time I think, at least I, because I was I was pretty young, and Pulp Fiction changed my life. And you were a vital part of that film and that. Well, not not so vital, really. But I mean, <laughs> I was a part. I was many parts. You drove the plot around. Though, <laughs> exactly. So every, everybody knows Marvin. Uh, how did that come about? Well, it's it's funny because the three that you mentioned all kind of came about the same way. Well, sort of. And Jules and Julia Sweeney have a Quentin connection. Yes, that's okay. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's Pat and Pulp Fiction came sort of Didn't the same Quentin place. Do rewrites on It's Pat or something. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. known fact, folks. Well, because uh, and, and this is I'm sure this is out there on the internet somewhere. But when Julia Sweeney was on um, Saturday Night Live, um, when Reservoir Dogs was being sent around town. Harvey Keitel came and hosted. And Quentin was running with Harvey at the time. They, he came with him to New York and Harvey did an It's Pat sketch and, uh, became really like tight with Julia Sweeney and her husband at the time, Steve Hibbert, 
you know, there and they became, you know, because they're big music geeks, uh, just like Quentin, and you know, like it was geek, geek love, geek love, yeah, geek yeah. love, and they really got along together. And Quentin did uh, a rewrite on its Pat, uncredited, smart man. Um, and but you can tell because that scene in its Pat where they torture the dude with pliers and stuff, and then say the <laughs> N word like thirty times. That was the Quentin scene. No, actually, it was the entire eighty-four minutes was the torture scene. Yeah. Um, and Julia got Quentin to come do an improv show at the Groundlings. Oh, wow. And uh, the Cooking with Gas show on Thursday nights. And I came and did that show with him. And then when he was casting Pulp Fiction, um, he w- asked the casting ladies, like, there's this guy, there's this black guy at the Groundlings. Uh, see if you can find, find out his, I don't remember his name, but see if you can find him. And you were the only one, so it worked exactly. Out. So they literally there just was very little the confusion. They were like black guy, and Phil popped up. Well, the funny thing is, the casting woman had cast me on L.A. Law like a year or two before, and she said, "Well, I'm sure he's really good, but there's this young actor named Phil Lamar. You should look at too." It's like, yeah, but bring them both in. You were the same. Yeah, yeah. I was the same. You're like, me. and now I'll do my second audition. Exactly, as Phil Lamar. I turned yeah. my hat around. No, totally. Um, but so the the opportunity to audition came from nepotism, being, basically. That's awesome, and and. Was the part as written, basically? Oh, yeah. Dude in the back of the car, but I mean, the, the, in the apartment, back of the car. For the, anyone who hasn't seen Pulp Fiction, yes, welcome I, to Earth. Yeah, I play Marvin, the guy who gets his brains blown out in the back of the car. What's and, your you you your line is half a line, really, right? Or you have a few lines. I think total there were four, maybe five lines. But right before you get shot, you're like, man, I don't know, and then boom, right? Isn't no, no, no. It's uh, it's the it's the, they're bantering back and forth about you know. Whether the bullets were stopped or you ever see cops, you know, the guy shoots and he misses all the time. It's like, Marvin, what do you think? Man, I don't even have an opinion. That was, and then, <laughs> and then he turns around and like, what do you mean? You gotta have an opinion. You think God came down from, boom! And that's, now, that scene, ha- that scene has what I think is one of maybe two things that are different from the original script that we were handed before shooting oh, wow. to shooting, there's there's very little that changed because the script was so fucking good. And that's typical with Quentin movies. I mean, if you read them now, they all get released online and they're line for yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I can I can only think of two things that changed from the script that I read before I auditioned to the movie that what went were out. The, do you remember what they were? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one was well, there was the uh, the. Uh, the Brady Bunch versus Partridge Family thing, but that was that was shot and cut. That's and the different. Elvis Man versus yeah, versus, the Elvis uh, Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was actually shot and cut. But things that changed were uh, one was Sam Jackson's line in the diner about pork. Um, because originally they were talking about, well, you think dogs are filthy animal? It's like, well, I'm I'm not saying they're filthy, but they're definitely dirty. It's like, and they said, but their dogs got a personality. It's like, well, by that rationale. It, if a pig had a good enough personality, it would cease to be a filthy animal. And the line originally was, you have to be one charming motherfucking pig. You have to be a Cary Grant of pigs. <laughs> and Sam Jackson did not think that Jules would think Cary Grant was all that cool. <laughs> I actually like the line better that he came up so with. They cha- yeah. so, so he changed it to like, you have to be one charming motherfucking pig. You have to be like 10 times more charming than that on along Green Acres. And that, that was the one line change. The other thing that changed was... Um, in the car, in the, the scene where I get my brains blown out, originally, originally there were supposed to be two gunshots. The first shot is supposed to go in Marvin's throat. And then he's supposed to sit there gurgling and coughing up blood while they banter back and forth <laughs> about what to do. It's Without like, well, realize, well, yeah. well, man, we can't take him to a hospital. 
I know that. Well, what the fuck are you supposed to do? I mean, why the fuck are you shooting me? You must hit a bump. I didn't hit no motherfucking bump. What are you going to do? All right. Well, on the count of three, I'll hit the horn and you take care of it. All right. And then he goes, one, two, three. Uh, boom. And then they get covered in blood from the headshot. And then the scene goes on exactly, and the rest of the movie goes on exactly as it is from that point forward. But when we came in to rehearse, it was just me, Tarantino, Travolta, Sam Jackson, and the AD. And like, we walk in, I meet, you know, shake hands, and Travolta goes, Oh man, I gotta shoot him? <laughs> They're gonna hate me. And he re, he realized that if his character on shot purpose. me in the head on purpose, it would have like a really negative effect on the audience's perception of the character. As you were telling the story of the alternate scene, I was like, "Don't do it, Vincent." Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. You're and that's the thing. I mean, you know they're cold-blooded hitmen, but you don't see them hurt anybody who didn't deserve. They it. liked Marvin too. He was hanging. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, it was funny because that's the one thing Quentin changed before shooting. That's awesome. Man. Other than the the pig line. That's so great. And I mean, around the same time, you you were in Monkey. You did a voice on Monkey Island. Like you were already doing video game. No, no, no. Monkey that's that's, that's an IMDb thing. Oh, um, fuck IMDb. There, well, no, because the worst producer of a podcast ever. I no, there was a, we redid they redid some Monkey Island thing recently, like in the last two years, where they had me voice some character. Like, it was still like 16-bit or something. Oh, but they did. Like but on IMDb, they list Monkey Island from its original oh, date. that's funny. But I didn't do that until so like a couple years ago. So you weren't up on that. But, I mean, I'll just hit some stuff real quick. Let's just do it. TV shows, George Carlin Show, Murphy Brown, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Living Single, Mad About You, Wings, L.A. Law, Jake and the Fat Man, which is the best show of all time. Name, I've never seen the show or don't know what it's about. It's about... It had a fat man in it and a guy named Jake. That's all you That's need all to you know. That's all you need to... Yeah. All right. Tell you, the only reason I remember that job, because I, you know, I don't even remember what the fuck I did on it, but... Talk to the fat man or Jake. I, you know what? I don't think I saw either Jake <laughs> or the fat man. That's how small my part was. This is how small it was. That was an audition that took less than 60 seconds. What did they just... Cause blow, like they blew wind in your face and they wanted to see how you twitched. They were like, you got the job. No, it was like a glaucoma one, it, test. It was one line. It was like somebody's assistant who comes in. It's like, uh, so-and-so's on the phone. Like that was the line. And they didn't like write any additional dialogue or nothing. They just had you come in and do that one yeah. fucking line. And I sat out there for 45 minutes with all the other people trying to get that one line Everyone part. Was running their lines and fucking tense with eyes. Right, yeah. right. Running like, so-and-so's here. So-and-so's on the phone for you. There's so-and-so. Maybe. Don't, don't change it. Don't change it. Um, He's on the phone for, for you. you. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember sitting there in the waiting room and then the casting assistant or whoever it was came out and said, Phil, you ready? And I looked at my watch as I stood up and it said like 2.33. And I walked in and they said, everybody, everybody this is Phil Lamar. It's like, hi, hi. It's like, you ready? Okay. Uh, so-and-so's on the phone for you. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you. And I walked back out the door and I looked at my watch as I walked back out the door and it still said 233. That's how Jake and the fat man worked. It was magic. He like stopped time <laughs> for you, man. You got it magnified in that. That's awesome. And somehow from that 40 seconds of acting, <laughs> they decided I was the one who fit the suit. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know. Aren't you glad you didn't major in something boring at Yale? Right? <laughs> like molecular biology. No, yeah, something horrible like that. Change the world. And then uh, 
I mean, uh, you you have a Kevin Smith connection. You did the voice of uh, Eddie Murphy on the Clerks cartoon. Yes, yes. Uh, there was a whole. I know. I did the voice of Axel Foley. Axel Foley. I did not me. do Eddie Murphy. I did Axel Foley. There's a very big difference because you can't libel Axel Foley because he's an imaginary character. You can make a fox out of him too. The exactly. Axel Fox. Uh, <laughs> you, um, I mean, you, dude, you've some done. So you, you, we've seen you in live action many a time before in such uh, stuff as Step Brothers and, and, I mean, maybe, uh, what we, most people know your, your, your beautiful visage from was, uh, Mad TV. Mad TV. You were an original cast member on the show Mad TV. That's, that's actually pretty trippy. Cause that, I mean, I did that for five years. That was definitely the longest, like Steady actual gig. job. You were the, yes. That, I mean, the voiceover, Futurama has actually gone much, you know, twice as long as that, all told, but you don't spend as much time, like, uh, when you're working on a hour long TV show, you're there many, many hours. Four, five days a week, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I like remember that time. And it's weird to have people come up to me. It's like, Oh man, I used to watch that show when I was a kid. How old are you now? 28? Yeah, that's right. I that mean, was 50, 16 years ago. Everyone, now. and the thing with Mad TV was from, from day one, everyone was like, this show will never last. There have been three <laughs> generations of humans since that show has been on the air. It, it oh, was, tell me about it. Well, they, just they, they the finally, air. yeah, after 14 years, they finally got canceled. And it's funny because people come up to me and it's like, are you sad that the show's not on anymore? I'm like, well, one, I left eight years ago. <laughs> um, so no. Um, uh, but also, like, it was the only TV show I know of where they spent less money on it every year. You know, it's like usually it's like, well, oh, 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 you know, this year Charlie Sheen's getting 1.5 million. Next year, 1.7 million. Like, Mad TV, like, okay, last year you got 7,500. This year you get 5,000. They're like, like no, no more craft services. You get a pile so, of Doritos. Dude, by the, by the last season, they didn't even have fucking sets. Are you serious? Yes. They're like, hey, now we're going to do our character live on stage in I, front yeah, of a, started doing in front of a cabaret style audience. Like, no. So like when people say, are you sad that it's gone? It's like, I'm sad the way I'm sad when a zombie finally gets a shovel <laughs> through the head. Well, like I miss the original, but this, you know, you know, d- disease decaying carcass needed to be put out of its and misery. It, and it always had the misfortune of being on like a half an hour before SNL's where the set cost $800,000 a set. You could build a fucking mansion for that <laughs> fake target or whatever she's doing the line in or right. whatever. You know what I mean? And it was always, but I remember when Mad TV started, uh, it was the lead into SNL because it started at 11. And SNL started, so you always had a half hour of Mad TV every week to get your- And then, and a lot of people just clicked over, even though Mad TV actually went on another half hour. And that's what a lot of people didn't realize. <laughs> it was like, I thought that show was only half an hour. No, no, we had, we did an hour. <laughs> <laughs> the but whole lot of sketches you just didn't see. For a show that gets shit on, uh, a, a fair amount, I think. Mm. Maybe not, maybe undeservedly. It had some amazing cast members through, through its time. I mean, when, yeah. when it first started, let's, uh, you, people like yourself, Alex Boreanaz, uh, uh, Ar- oh, Alex Borstein? Alex, Alex Borstein, excuse yeah. me. Artie Lang, yeah. uh, um, Frank Caliendo in later, yeah, later years yeah. like that. Oh, right? I mean, yeah, N- Nicole Sullivan, uh, Brian Callen, the original, yeah, Will yeah. Sasso, yeah, exactly. um, uh, Ari Spears, uh, Michael McDonald, um, Nicole Parker. I mean, there were a lot of incredibly talented people, you know. Who still work to this day all oh, over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it just, it didn't really launch anybody's career. It just gave you a little bit of money till you got your real good job, <laughs> you know. And the real good job for you, uh, came pretty soon after that, sir. Now, you'd been doing, uh, let's get to, uh, I, like, 
Okay, this is animation now. Wild Thornberries, Buzz Lightyear, The Oblongs, Clifford the Big Red Dog, Fan, <laughs> Tarzan, Invader Zim, The Weekenders, Ozzy and Drix, another fan, which people, I don't think people even know that show, The Proud Family, Jimmy Neutron, Afro Samurai, Harvey Birdman, Kim Possible, and then we get into the big one for me. You were Wilt on Fosters. Right. You were Hector Concarni on Billy and Mandy. <laughs> you, well, were, you know, Bill, you know, I, it's funny because uh, Hector Concarni has, I believe, the, uh, well, it's, it's certainly the only show I ever worked on to get half canceled. The Hector Concarni sh- show? Yeah, because originally, right? originally it, was, it was called, uh, the Grim and Evil. And it was the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy and Evil Concarni. And it was like two half In the same shows. block. Yeah, yeah. And then they canceled half the show. <laughs> like, well, we don't like that disembodied brain on the top of a dancing bear. Just get rid of that. Keep doing the Billy and Mandy shit. Well, that was like, that was back, remember Eek the Lizards and Thundercats were that same thing. It was half a show and half a show. Yeah, yeah. So they split half, but then, but. Yeah, they canceled my half. But you kept it, you did voices on Billy and Mandy. I came back later because it was, it was the same producer, same, same writers. And they brought me back as, uh, uh, Dracula, uh, which, which was so much fun. That was like, you know, getting to do like old Dracula. It was basically, it was like old Blackula. (laughs) (laughs) But it sounded like Red Fox. Kept going. Dracula don't suck. Dragula bite, then lit. Kept going for gradient stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, you were vamp in the Metal Gear yes. Solitaires, which I had no idea until I, until researching for this show. <laughs> like none, cause usually I can kind of tell your voice a little bit if I hear it. I'll go, oh, that sounds like Phil Lamar, but vamp, I had, I've been playing that series for 10 friggin' plus years and I'd never. Yeah, that one I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of just cause I do feel that that's like a really different voice and, you know, it was a real challenge because they were looking for something. It's like, we don't really know what we're looking for. This guy's kind of creepy. He may be a vampire, maybe not really a vampire. He might be dead, but he's can't, he can't be killed. Uh, but he's just kind of, just give us something weird. You're like, do you want old Blackula? Cause I got that in my bag of tricks <laughs> by this point. <laughs> my oh. queen, you never gonna believe what I saw. What Come this way, snake. <laughs> um. Oh, I wish. <laughs> the, snake! No, but, snake! <laughs> Where the fuck you at, snake? And snake! Ended when you die. You big dummy! Yeah. Wouldn't that be great if the colonel yeah, said that every time he died? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. T lines only. Yeah, if they got Mr. <laughs> T just to come on, yeah. Mmm, I pity the fool. Um, <laughs> I pity you, snake. <laughs> but, no, Vamp, Vamp was great because I'm just like, well, the guy's like a vampire. Maybe he's dead. Maybe he's not. I'm like, okay, what would it sound like if somebody who couldn't breathe spoke? And I just like took as much of the air out as I could to just try to. Well, my queen. And it's, it's basically like I talking while you're inhaling. You know, it's like. There's someone I think you'd like to see. Do you ever do that to your family and freak them out? And sh- do you want breakfast cereal? <laughs> <laughs> no, because the, the fucked up thing about it is you can only do it on microphone. <laughs> like, it's not loud enough. To pick up, yeah. Which is, it's funny, because I always forget about the microphone. And there are a lot of people who are really, really savvy about it. You know, like D. Baker, Corey Burton, these guys who I know who are like, they know the different kind of microphones and the warmth and the sound. But, like, I didn't really become aware of it until, like, on Mad TV one time I was doing Michael Jackson. And we got Latoya Jackson as a guest. <laughs> And I'm like there in like full, like full on fucking Michael Whiteface. And, and we're doing this sketch. Wouldn't that have been great if she'd been like, Michael? Like, <laughs> she wasn't quite that dumb. Okay. Uh, but she did come up to you and say, you sound a lot like him. <laughs> Except Michael's never that loud. 
and I and I realized like and her brother was there and and he was a and he was a quiet talker too and I realized all the Jacksons don't speak any louder because Joe this. screamed exactly <laughs> fucking if it went above an octave the belt came out. What if I make all that noise? <laughs> I better hear some motherfucking hominids. And that's how you get the world, the king of pop, yeah. Right, but they're, but they're all, they all are quiet talkers. Uh, and it didn't occur to me that like, all that stuff Michael Jackson was like, <laughs> all that stuff is really just, <laughs> like he doesn't, pumped he up on a microphone. Right. But yeah. it's, it's, it's like, you know, full and like just blown out. <laughs> that's so great, man. Um, that's Samurai, beautiful. Samurai Jack. You, yeah. you were Samurai Jack. I mean, everyone. Yeah. Give it up for that static shock, which which uh, static's been been r- roaming around the universe for a while. He's make I think he's back, right? Or uh, w- w- maybe, perhaps he'll come back in the reboot. He's always back. I mean, but he was back in comics recently. I know. Yeah, in the uh, Justice League. Yeah, it's stat- they brought static back in the Justice League. Re- yeah, As a, in, in his teen teen version. Oh, that's right. I did hear about that. Okay, a little bit older, which which I thought was really cool. I mean, that was a uh, yeah, that a was a great show. Huge show for me. Mr. John Stewart in the Justice League, yep. the Green yep, Lantern, yep. Uh, the good Green Lantern. Now that we can, we can <laughs> still speak about that. And uh, and I mean, let's just get with it. Hermit from Futurama, sir. You're right, right, right. Um, Thank you. With all the voice work, I mean, uh, I'd say arguably Hermes would be. You, you would get recognized the most for Hermes, you'd say, or um, for geeks, I think that's the big one. You know, well, you know what it is. Futurama has the most significant fan base because, like, sci-fi fans are deep into their shit. And animation fans are deep into their shit. And Futurama is the nexus of yeah. both. I mean, I, I remember it was like... It's like Red Dwarf. For, you know what I mean? It's right. the same sort of it's, thing. It's yeah. people, the people who know about it love it. You know, it's still not like mainstream. It ain't The Simpsons. Oh, every, I would think... Every, it's not The Simpsons, but at this point, I think everyone knows what well, Futurama... You, you know, know what I After mean? 10 years, it has like... You know, spread. I think Bender. You show uh, someone Bender, and they'll know who Bender is, or or the least they'll go. That's a robot guy from that cartoon, or something. You exactly. Know what I mean, I think I think it's at that level now. They're like, oh, yeah, recognition thing, Rick. Recognize? I recognize that. <laughs> yeah. One eyed girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. You know what that is? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but no, actually, but but the fans know and like deeply know every episode title. Well, I mean, and it's yeah. great because the writers are just as deeply geeky. You know, like, like, guys, like three guys with PhDs, like, you know, creating alien language. I mean, they're putting the work in because they know the shit is going to be appreciated, you know? Um, but I think, is that the biggest one? I think at this point, yeah, Hermes, although. Is there anyone maybe, I maybe Samurai maybe? Jack? Samurai, yeah. Or, I mean, I mean, Afro Samurai was a pretty big show. You were brother. You know what? No, almost no, no. Well, maybe it's because I didn't have like a big part. in Afro you were, Samurai. Sam L did every part on it. I mean, right, exactly. Didn't give much room for other people. Yeah, I was I was brother one and young Afro. But I mean, I, I wasn't like significant parts, so maybe that's why people. Oh, don't Kit mention Fisto, I forgot. On, oh yeah, on on Clone, Clone Wars, Wars which right. which everybody loves. I mean, it's that's huge. a good show. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. But I mean. In terms of the combining of, it seems like your comedic sensibilities and your voiceover work, Futurama, at least yeah. to to an audience or myself, that seems to be kind of the pinnacle. Well, and also because it was on it, prime time. I mean that that right there said it. Well, if seven o'clock was prime time. Yeah, but you're right. How many animated shows have been on maybe six? Well, I also do. I also do Ollie Williams on Family. Oh, I, I completely forgot. And, and that's and that's Give really us the interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's interesting because that has a really wide. Everyone you know, knows Family appeal. Guy, yeah. You know? I Would remember you... when we had gotten canceled the first time, 
On which show? Because that's on, fa- on family. Which on is strange. Yes, exactly. Because they both had similar similar sort yeah. of lives. Kind of, you know, they, you had to fight to get the fact that they're still on the air is kind of amazing. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's like winning lottery tickets twice. Yeah, absolutely. It's like yeah. you got another one. <laughs> what? Another super lotto? <laughs> um, but yeah, when future when uh, Family Guy was canceled the first time, I remember listening. Am I blowing you out? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. I remember uh, listening to like Power 106, Big Boy, and he had like a drop with like. Peter Griffin in it. I'm like, wait, wait. Did did Big Boy just reference Family Guy? There's something going on here. And then like within that year, the DVD sales blew up, and then the show was back. I'm like, okay, see, it it had like snuck in to you know the collective unconscious. The first two seasons, kind of right, because it ran two seasons before it went away, or was it just one? Uh, no, no, it was it was at least two. It was, it was, a, least it was two. a bunch. I mean, and it, yeah. for, for the geeks and the fans, everyone knew the show already. But it seemed like once it went away, and it had that. Well, well, it's fucking like the ex- the explosion of cable. Once somebody starts running your stuff five days a week, then like unemployed people see it. You know, it's like, hey, it's on at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> then it's on at three o'clock in the morning. Stone people see it. Hey, I like that. You know, it's so, like the threes and the threes, folks. That's what you got to hit up. TV rules. You exactly. Know what I mean? yeah. And then all of a sudden, it like it spreads. You know. What was it? Was that, did you just get, um, was that just for both of those shows? Was that just from your work and voiceover acting? Was that a uh, kind of standard audition process or did um, you have to audition? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely had to audition. Uh, b- both of them were, uh, semi standard auditions. The, the women who cast Futurama, um, uh, Julie Mossberg and Jill Anthony also cast Mad TV. So, couple of years later when they were looking for voices and they knew that we had done animated stuff you know the corky quakenbush claymation stuff on mad tv they said well these guys do characters and voices let's bring them in and with family guy i had uh done a, a short for seth mcfarland when he was working over at nickelodeon oh, wow. so a little thing called zoomates which is like so funny if you compare it to family guy because it's like similar in design like ah, i'm a polar bear you know but so sweet and light and but innocent. But not like dirty references no, to like, no, just yeah, like random like, That's stuff. the same yeah, guy? Yeah. Or is that his son? The polar bear's like, that's like the time I had Coke with Abe Vigoda. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen. Uh, but so, but, but so, being that big a part of an ensemble kind of, I mean, especially with Hermes, as it were, do you get a real bonding with the rest of the cast after this many years? Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. mean, it's it's uh, Billy West, Katie Segal, uh, and John DiMaggio, Maurice LaMarge, Tress I mean, McNeil, uh, David Herman, who I was on Mad TV with. Absolutely. And then that that's to me is one of the top voice casts in the history of animation, Futurama. And oh, you know what I mean? Is, absolutely. No, there's some really. I mean, I remember the very first episode. Uh, Billy West was doing a thing because he does he does three voices he does uh, Doctor Zoidberg, uh, Fry, and the and the professor. professor for, yeah, and yeah. the first episode had the professor showing Fry around, and he introduces him to Doctor Zoidberg. So there's this scene we're watching Billy record this. He's doing all three characters on the fly. Is he like turning his head and shit to talk to, like when he's no? But, I mean, he, he does you know, something like this to do Zoidberg, you know, like and then he does Fry, and then the professor he puts his head, but like. He just does all three voices, all three characters talking to each other for like three pages. And when you watch that animation, now if you watch that first episode, there is absolutely no way you can tell it's one human being doing all those. That's voices. amazing. And if he wasn't in a recording studio, it would he would just be the best crazy person in the world. <laughs> You're like he's putting his time into that craft. You know exactly. what I mean? Like he's developed his characters and stuff. <laughs> 
Uh, you um, getting away from stuff. I recently got the pleasure of seeing you in real life, but you didn't even know me at the time. I was spying on you at the uh, at the at the Nokia Theater in, in the Pee Wee Herman. Oh, live you came show. Pee Wee. Yeah, absolutely, oh, cool, cool. man. Uh, and you played Cowboy Curtis in in the in the, yes. in, in, on the HBO thing. They just went. On. Yeah, yeah. They uh, we we did it here in L.A. And then, uh, like, like a tremendous success in LA too. Like, yeah, well, they I had mean, to move it to another theater. It got well, so big, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, it just wasn't ready. Is that what? Is that the truth? Yeah. The music box wasn't ready. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, right. the music box wasn't going to work for what they're doing. And it's like, okay, well, we can't change the show to fit. We need another theater. No, yeah, yeah. When it worked out great over there, it was a yeah, cool show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we took it uh, to Broadway the following fall, and um, and then the last. Week we did the Broadway show. They taped it and aired it on HBO. It's so cool. Now which was a blast. Now you played the part that was originated by Lauren Fishburne on mm-hmm. the original TV show. Were you were you friendly with Paul Rubens? How did this How did this come about? I knew Paul through mutual friends from the Groundlings because we were both in the Groundlings at at very different times, and we had done a show together called uh, Beverly Winwood Presents the Actors Showcase, uh, which was a, a a really funny like fake actor showcase show. But like all just Crazy us doing yeah, the, yeah. all of the kind of bad acting we, we could possibly imagine. I met him through that. And then when he was putting the show back together, he called me to, to say, I, I would love for you to come in and audition for Cowboy Curtis. That's so cool, man. And you got to, I mean, how many shows did you, you guys did ton. I mean, how many performances do you know? Um, we did, I think, forty-eight in LA and eighty in wow. uh, New York. That's crazy, man. Was it a good? Was that a good time getting back on stage again and getting? Yeah, out? yeah. I mean, just being able to to pr- say you performed on Broadway was just like you know a huge, huge thing. And I never had gotten to live in, in New York before, um, and just like doing that whole like New York actor thing, you know. Except you're like, yes, now I'll put on my purple chaps. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, the great thing was, I got a chance to do a show on Broadway. That I knew people would come see, and that probably wasn't going to close early. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? I mean, you didn't have to worry about the, that. I mean, yeah. it was so the the demand was so huge here, and then we knew it was it was going to you know. Well, by the time it got to New York, I, I mean, you guys were pre sold for pretty much everything, right? Or, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, especially through the holidays, it was just packed. Um, so that was that was nice to know that I was going to be able to do that. I mean, because I had a friend who came out and did a show. Um, in New York, closed after nine performances. That sucks. So like, yeah. oh, okay. So I turned down jobs for the next six months, uh, you know, spent money for on an apartment, and now you're telling me I'm out of work? Or the other thing is you're a friend of that person, and you like took your time seeing the show, and then you're like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, that's every, what happened. every friend and family member who was going to come on that 10th performance or whatever. No, that's exactly what happened. We yeah. kept saying, oh, we have to go see her show. We have to go see it. It's like, okay, Wednesday. All right, Wednesday. Closed on Sundays. Like, <laughs> fuck me, really? All right, we gotta get a time machine and go see that show. <laughs> um, that's so great, man. What uh, do you have? Any other other projects coming up that we don't know about? Maybe any? You know what I mean? I mean, because you work all the time. Um, what's uh, we're working. I mean, we're uh, we're doing new new just Futurama. Started, uh, uh, just started. Uh, we're right? New Futurama episodes. Um, so working uh, doing new Clone Wars episodes. Um. Gonna be down at uh, Comic Con. Are you going to Comic Con this yeah. year? Oh, very cool, man. Yeah, looking forward to that. Are you doing uh, like a voice over actor panel, or um, are you just going I to hang out? Or no, I'm I'm gonna be uh, down there uh, signing at uh, at uh, SoulGeek.com booth uh, that my friend Dino Andrade runs, and I think I'm gonna be doing uh, a panel, not the Futurama panel, but a, a, like a, a, a VO panel. I've uh, I'll be I'll be tweeting about it uh, <laughs> once I once I actually find out what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> um, Show wise, uh, what else? I always forget this. Uh, oh, we got, uh, I did a part in, uh, Real Steel. 
Oh, that's right. It's, yeah, uh, it's coming out this fall. The the, uh, the the Hugh Jackman movie. Hugh Jackman bo- robot boxing movie. Yeah, that looks awesome. And it's it's funny because the first trailer didn't really like capture it and look kind of like no no this is not a Shogun Warriors movie. What the fuck? Show them the real movie. And then like I think the the latest the new- trailer. Like and you play a comment, you play the commentator. Yeah, yeah, during the boxing yeah, ma- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in the big, the big final Rocky match, you know, uh, me and this uh, and this guy uh, David Bache are the ESPN announcers watching the greatest fight in history. You know. It's fucking robots. So if anyone hasn't seen the trailer, it's uh, it's the robot boxers that humans yeah, it's, train. In the future, boxing is no longer done by human beings, but by robots controlled by human beings. It's based on it's a Battle Twilight Bots. Zone. Oh, okay. We can go with that one. <laughs> I always thought it was based on Comedy Central's Battle Bots. <laughs> you guys remember that? Oh, it was the best. I think one of the Sklar brothers hosted it, but I'm not sure which one. You can never you tell. You can never tell. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, so, so you, you had Real Steel coming up. But, um, other than, other than yourself, you, you, like, people who don't know, you got here a little early. You were, you were looking at some books, man. You, you, oh, yeah. you love comics, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's an addiction at this point. Let's just talk geek for stop. a little bit. Now, when I first approached you about doing the show, you were like, I, I got some things to say about DC and the new plan. You know what? And and it's funny because I meant to do like a little more research um, before the podcast so I could be informed. But I don't screw that. Yeah, yeah. I could be informed. We'll I'm just, just going to go here. with yeah, my yeah. all my wrong assumptions. No, totally. Um, but what's no, fun is because then you can go back years later and be like, "Was wrong about that? Was wrong about that? Was wrong about that?" <laughs> Dude, I I have a list of those. I no, this is I'm the asshole who stood on the set of Pulp Fiction and said literally out loud, it's like. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could try to sell it like a big summer action picture. Bruce Willis, Uma Thurman, John Travolta. It's like right until the, you know, heroin overdose and the anal rape kick in. Just leave that out of the trailer. (laughs) It's funny because like I have, you know, I saved the Hollywood Reporter or the Daily Variety or whatever with the centerfold, a hundred million dollars, Pulp Fiction, like. This is why I don't run a movie studio. Or you could have been like, it would have made two hundred million if you went with that action trailer, like I told you. Because <laughs> yeah. left out that Stoltz kitty. We don't need him. Exactly. See, no, <laughs> I don't. I know nothing. <laughs> That's the only thing I know. But, but I mean, DC. For those of you who don't know, DC has announced that. I mean, I think we're like a month away, right, Ryan? Or In the reboot? September. They're they're rebooting uh, all of DC Comics, and they're they're paring it down to fifty two books. Right. Um. Now. People are, it's a little mercy. Everyone's got, the room got real quiet. If we, did, <laughs> if we did this at like anything not, if I was at like a fucking American apparel right now, people would have, <laughs> they wouldn't care. They wouldn't have a clue. But literally, I just killed all your grandparents in front of you. <laughs> like everyone just got so up. Marvel just got started looking real good. Right. But, um, DC's announced that they haven't said why they're doing it. They kind of just said they're doing it. Now, I am, I'm still at this point not clear if, um, they are rebooting characters, origin-wise, which I, I haven't really gotten. I believe they are. Final confirmation. They well, are. They, they, they got Barbara. They got Barbara Gordon in a Batgirl suit. And not that's in a, a wheelchair. That's, a, that's an origin reboot. That's a bit of a reboot, yeah. Unless it's, they've like, got a sci, you know, cybernetic spine thing, you know. Do, you know, they, we created a new character named Doctor Spine who fixes people's paralysis. I see. I'm down for that more than this fucking <laughs> yeah. shit. See that? Talking that about. Yeah. Yeah, give us, a, yeah, now a new day looks kind of good. Oh, it? dude, everything looks good now. <laughs> Every event in the world looked good now. Well, you know what? Why not another crisis? 
Yeah, well, just make some more worlds or blow them up. Identical crisis. We just need right. an I word. <laughs> Impervious crisis. Boom. Someone right. dies. Someone gets raped. Fucking and everyone be- else becomes invulnerable and made you of need diamonds. Bendis and Meltzer, and you're good. <laughs> like that, you know. Bring Bendis over for some reason. I don't right, know. Right. Exactly. Bendis, but Meltzer. Uh, no, but it's gritty. It, it's kind gritty of gritty crisis. It, it is. I feel like it's a, a tiny bit of a slap in the face of, of the true fans who have been tiny bit. You know what I no, mean? No, dude, dude, dude. You know what this is? This is like if a crack dealer decided, it's like, you know what? I need a more upscale clientele. I'm just going to sell cocaine. And wouldn't, and wouldn't get you crack anymore. Oh, no, no. He'll, but would you, offer he'll, you, he'll offer you cocaine. He'll offer you cocaine instead. Well, you're yeah. a crackhead. What the fuck you care? Just take it. Yeah, we're all crackheads. And, yeah. he, and they know the, those of us who buy comics every Wednesday we'll are going to show yeah. up. We'll buy them just to complain about them. Well, it's also like, we'll buy them to complain about them, but I really don't think fucking taking the underwear off of Superman's pants are going to bring in the, the hordes that have never... You know, I would have gotten to comics, but those guys wear underwear over their pants. That's something pederist about that. No, no, Matt, 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 you don't understand. We've done marketing research, and 12-year-old boys, that's the one thing they're turned off about. So once we take that away, See, now 12-year-old yeah. boys who were not raised on comics and don't buy comics and don't even think about comics because they don't move like their fucking Nintendo D. Yes, now they'll suddenly like comics. The market research shows it. Look, <laughs> and we got—I mean, we have eight new Batman's, and like, and I—and I recently Batman's. Inter- I recently interviewed a Judd, a Judd Winnick over at Anaheim Comic Con. Oh, and, did you? And he didn't drop the bomb that he was creating Batwing. Not what the African American Batman, which is Batwing, oh, I think. They're Blackwing. Literally- is it Blackwing? Did we go that far, DC? <laughs> Holy shit. But just like, like when Marvel was like, we got 10 Hulks now and they're all different colors. I was like, all right, crayon Hulk. I get it. It's cute. But now right. DC's like, everyone and everything you love is changing. Do you like that character's hair? It's Spike now. You like that dude? He's now a chick. <laughs> Fuck you, comic fans. I, I hey, just... come on, man. The question's a really cool reboot. <laughs> I actually do think Renee, Renee Montoya. So... No, yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you Renee. Oh, come on. But, uh, it just, it, it, it's making, it's making it a daunting task to read DC Comics, it seems like. Cause well, it's like, my, do I throw out fucking all my long boxes now? <laughs> my, well, okay. From, I'll say, I'll say two things. One, from that standpoint, honestly, I don't give a fuck about continuity. And I don't think that creators should be a slave to it. And, you know, all of us are like, no, you can't change it. Heimdall can't be a black guy. It's like, fuck you. You didn't like Heimdall. You never cared about Heimdall. You never read Thor once, motherfucker. Right. Yeah. You know what a rainbow bridge is because you read it in a Loki Wikipedia once because you were like, (laughs) who's Loki? Like, you know what I mean? But yeah, exactly. They should not be slave to us diehards. But my big problem with the reboot is Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, they came up with like three good books at a time. They never did 52. Yeah. You can't, nobody can do 52. I mean, Jim Lee and Jeff Johns are very good. They ain't Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. I mean, it's also like you read, you, I used to fucking buy every DC book that came out a week and I read that list of 52 books and I was like six or seven maybe. Like it just, it doesn't, they don't, what they're doing differently with the characters isn't dragging me. If they were like, everyone smokes pot now. I was like, (laughs) I will buy all 52 of those books. I will buy, I will buy fucking, uh, Legion of superheroes. Like, if Bouncing Boys has a bong in his hand, I'm there or whatever. <laughs> shit I've never cared about. But they're not courting me. They're trying to court little kids, but I don't think little kids give a shit. I don't think so either. I mean, cause you can't fight a cultural problem with like 
a reboot. And that's and then and that's what it is. And I mean, and you've been you've you've uh you had a, a part in one of those, maybe not a direct part, but you did a voice on the uh Lunatic show, right? Ah, yes. Which yes. which got a lot of controversy cuz they were like, you know Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck? Now they're meth heads who like racing and jam, like dancing. Well, all. Well, it was just fucking crazy, like in your that, face. That one was hilarious because I remember when the auditions for that went out and the one thing, they didn't know what they were doing, but the one thing they knew is that they were not the classic Looney Tunes characters. Uh, this is Boffo Bunny. He's not Bugs Bunny. Doesn't sound like, you know, all, they made sure. Like, what does they, he do different? You're like, um, well, what does he sound like? Not Bugs Bunny? And they told everybody, don't do, don't do any of those classic characters. Then they hired a bunch of people who sounded kind of like. Pretty close to the classic characters. Anyway. And then over the course of the, the series, cause I came in a couple times, they kept pushing them closer and closer to the classic sounds. Like, okay, what if we try the duck character with kind of a lisp? You mean like, not necessarily a direct reference. But just something that it happens with his mouth. It was like maybe he was in a car accident. Well, like you can write it into the back. Well, no. What <laughs> happened was they they changed it, and then they looked at it and it's like, well, uh, that's not the stuff I like. It doesn't sound like Bugs Bunny. It doesn't sound like Daffy Duck. So it's like, well, let's make it more like the thing you like. You mean the classic characters, right? But hipper. And so you that, mean literally the classic thing. characters just skinnier and weirdly angled and with and big giant manga type feet, yeah. you know? It's and like, Bugs has a mech suit that he jumps in sometimes. You can always tell the marketing driven decisions because that's what it is. Like, okay, so it's Bugs Bunny, but in the future, because that seems hip and young. Future's always hip and young because right. it hasn't happened yet. They could have silver clothing, but it's fucking ridiculous because we've been doing the future since fucking Metropolis in 1922, and we still it ain't that new. We it still ain't that hip. We still haven't gotten silver clothing though. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> the like Lame. that real oh, it's, silver. It's there. Oh, the Lame, yeah. Just no one straight we're is wearing not, it. We're not shopping in the right stores. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's especially in this day and age, and you've seen you've seen the industry change and grow. It's I feel like geeks are more informed, but they're also pandered to a fair amount. You kind of have to be a smarter consumer of the stuff you love right. these days to not get caught up in. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, honestly, I believe that, you know, some of these books are going to be great. Some of these characters need to be rebooted. And in fact, I kind of like the, the no pants. Was it, was it Batman Super, or Superman? Superman. Yeah. Superman. I kind of like I'm down that. with the new Superman. Cause there's the, same, characters... the same way I was down with the X-Men, uh, change for the movie. With the leather. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause we forget. Why all these characters look this way? We're, we're doing fucking 1930s aesthetics. Like these characters start, the idea of a superhero started back when an eight year old boy, the coolest thing an eight year old boy could see was a fucking circus performer. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Seriously. Yeah. Multicolored with a cape and harlequin and, you know, like pants with, you know, like fucking like pirate boots. No, the reason Captain America has pirate boots is not cause Will they protect his feet? No, fuck you. <laughs> the reason he has pirate boots is because in 1920, whatever, Pirates that was hot, cool. Yo. Now kids have Kesha. She like fucking shoots lasers out of her face while blowing a dude and stuff. Like, it's, <laughs> like she's like a, some kind of dirty superhero, but like there's crazy stuff. There's magic and there's unicorns in videos and like, you know what I mean? Well, and now you get your power from your tattoos. No, exactly. <laughs> But I mean, back in the day, you're right. Comic books, like when they first started, my my dad, I had my dad on the show. My mom is a huge geek. 
I had both my parents on. My mom oh, grew up reading, you know, all the classic Marvels. The only book my dad has ever read is Sad Sack. <laughs> which I don't know what that is, but he missed it. You know what I mean? Now, because that's what there was. You had fucking war stories and pirate stories. Nowadays, literally, I can stream every episode of Oz right now. I can stop doing the podcast and watch Oz right now, and I might in a minute. Oh, that show holds my grip. But what I'm saying is, like, it's that stuff's no longer impressive to a little kid. I feel like, and 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 they try to the industry tries to go. Okay, what is impressive? Uh, edginess, but you can't define edginess. Well, unless you, you certainly make them can't degenerate. get edgy, you can't get edginess from a marketing department. That's what I mean. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I get what they're saying. I mean, they none of us want this to die out. Do you think there's anyone you know? who who's like super gung ho? I, I haven't I haven't spoken to someone who's like, oh, I think this DC move is the best fucking thing of all time. Um, and except for Jeff Johnson, except for people who work for DC, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I've talked to creative people who are excited about the opportunity to, to start new, right? To start fresh and get new people on the book, and I understand that. But from the fan standpoint, I just I think yeah, I think people are kind of dreading it a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and honestly, like I said, my my big problem is doing it wholesale. Like if you did it like a bit at a time, which I guess they've sort of been trying to do. Yeah. But I think they just got addicted to that reboot boost that you get every time. You're like, the death of Superman. Woo! Well, sales went up. Now the death of Batman. Hey! It's like when Discovery yeah. Science just went to the Science Channel overnight and you were like, my world is shaken up. That's it's going to be like this all over again. Except right. less cool because I like the Science well, it's just, Channel. It's too. just, it's too big a job. It's too big a job to do at once. And to yeah. handle, yeah. There's a lot of, um, have you, uh, so let's jump tracks a little bit to, we'll stay, we'll stay geek, comic booky. Have you seen any of the big summer movies yet? Uh, Thor, Green Lantern, X-Men First Class. I, I'm, I'm bummed to say that I have not. I have two small kids, so. I haven't seen anything that wasn't made by Pixar in the last eight years. So you just saw Cars 2 like 30 times? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I'm dying to see X-Men First Class and Thor. I, I want to see Green Lantern, but yeah. I know. You might get, and since, you are, a, since well, you are a member of the Lantern Corps, you might get a little... Well, now, now, hold on, hold on. Because everybody's like, yeah, Green Lantern. Is like, Now, if you compare it to Iron Man, yeah, Iron Man 1, okay. But compared to transform any Transformers, and how is it? Oh, that's it's, wait, 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 we're wait. Fucked. <laughs> Green Lantern is bad compared to a Transformers movie. That's wait, what I've heard, the movies that could be played backwards, and you would still get just as much out of them. I've never tried that. Oh, look, they're you know they're imploding. <laughs> That might work better for me, actually. Seriously, get high, play that shit back. At the end, Shia LaBeouf's like, I'm out. Like, I'm fucking back to being a normal kid. I've had enough of this robot shit. I just want to live with my parents and get beat up and put into a tree. It might actually make more sense. Yeah, I get it. Like, he had his fucking Megan Fox was running her mouth and shit, all this stuff. He just had enough. He's like, make me a geek again. Boom. And back to zero. But Captain America looks good. Captain America looks real good. Joe Johnson's got that Rocketeer vibe, man. Yeah. I, I, I think, and that last trailer that came out. Yeah, it really, really, really good. turned people. Although on. it's funny because I love the fact that they're trying to like they're having trouble selling it overseas. They just changed the title, right? What did uh, they announced today that they dropped the first Avenger tag off? Or did no, I, they dropped the um, wasn't the it's the America part. No, no nobody cares. <laughs> they're not they're, their problem's not with vengeance. Wait a minute, they their dropped, problems with America. They dropped the word America out of the Captain America. Well, movie? I think it's like maybe it's like the first Avenger, Captain America. Wow. <laughs> that, uh, in South Korea, okay, what, you know, it was three countries where they couldn't. What was it? It was like uh, 
South South Korea and I can't remember what the other two. All were. the places you want to take a vacation, basically. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure Libya was in there or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, yeah. Maybe it was in North Korea, or I don't even think the movie would come out in North Korea, actually. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just they just, though, they just show pictures of him. Though he's a huge movie buff, Kim Jong Il. Oh, well, he's watching him. He wrote that book he's about just... movies. Yeah, he literally wrote a book. <laughs> he's he like watches like American movies. Like he'll go watch like whatever fucking Jennifer Aniston just did. <laughs> <laughs> Where she like, I don't want to have sex with you. Horrible bosses. Yeah. Not her best work. <laughs> now we kill everyone who a boss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, That's right. He liked it so much, he's outlawing bosses in <laughs> yeah, North Korea. exactly. No more bosses. I really like that Charlie Day guy. <laughs> I empathize for him. Always sunny. Great It's show. always sunny in Pyongyang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There you go. I want to see that. I want to see that fucking I'm, reboot. I'm down for that, man. The North yeah. Korean version of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Except the bar is always empty because there's no people living in that town. <laughs> it's like a fake fucking city and shit. That's so great. Is there anything you're looking forward to geek-wise coming up? I mean, um, Comic-Con. Let's get into Comic-Con. You're, you're headed over to Comic-Con. How many years, yes. how many years now have you? I've been going to Comic Con regularly since, uh, Free Enterprise came out. And that was 11 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Right? Somewhere like that? Yeah. Ryan. Ryan. 11 years, Ryan says. All right. Wow. So you've Um, seen that place go from a thing about comic books to to, to a place where you can't find a comic book. Has anyone seen something with a guy in tights on it? Anyway. I mean, walking Uh, around. I saw Anthony Hopkins, but, uh, I have not seen a comic book. You know, uh, ask the guy from Twilight. He's right behind you. What? <laughs> I mean, it's Della Reese was at the Wizard World Anaheim, <laughs> and she was eating yogurt. Like every time I walked by, she had a different thing of yogurt. She was eating it, and like there was. I mean, there just didn't. It, it seems to be getting. See, a li- see, this is that weird thing where it's like, well, geeks have come become mainstream. So let's make mainstream become geek. But it, it doesn't quite no, work. No, it doesn't like really that. work. There. Remember a couple of years ago at Comic Con when they were like having and presenting our big panel on the middle, starring yeah. Patricia Heaton. It, yes, I remember exactly. Wait, wait, wait. Dude. Okay, wait a minute. Like I understand Castle. Which you know, makes Nathan sense. Fillion's got some geek Cause cred. Because it's, it's an indirect line, even. Because it's Fillion, because we're on another show that was a geek show. But okay. Right. Patricia fucking Heaton sitcom. Right. Yeah. It's like, remember her from Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond? The show my parents watch? <laughs> Yeah, that was, and apparently, like, nobody showed up. It's like, okay, thank you. That's awesome. But, uh, it's, it's changed to more of a pop culture kind of movie. Well, that's movie. the thing. Everybody's trying to, like, they're trying to cross-pollinate. You know, and a lot of times at these comic book conventions, you can't find the artists. Like, I can't find George Perez, but I see the fucking chick from Surreal Life. Oh, George Perez is there. He's like eight miles away, right. crowded in between two of other amazing, talented artists. Right, uh, but well, Shannon Doherty is right here in the front. Oh, totally, man. <sighs> Or the actors from Battle Los Angeles who weren't the actors you know. Like the other dudes had a panel <laughs> at Wizard World Anaheim. I was like, all right, I guess they got to know someone was in the movie. Yeah, right. maybe we're going to ask some questions about that. But yeah, it, it's gone where it used to be a celebration of comics and comic book fans to something a bit bigger than that. But this year, it seems like it's going back a little bit, I hear. That's right? what I've heard. That's I've heard that the, the movie studio, companies the are, pulling out. are pulling back, which... I think will be a good thing because at least you can find the other stuff now. No, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. We'll see. So, are you excited for that? Uh, it's always fun. But you dig cons. You do. A, do you do a lot of convention appearances? Or um, I've started in the last couple of years going more. I went to Dragon Con last, which year. which I hear is always fun. That's the one that in Atlanta, was right? Crazy. That's like nerd heaven. Like, like yeah, people. I really ain't like... seen no geeks who look like us. Mm. 
Well, that's the other thing in recent years too. You get you- right. That remember, remember. <laughs> I remember the first time I went for Futurama. Was sitting in a Futurama panel, and like looking around the audience, and like, oh wow, there's sort of a sexy cat woman with an Adam's apple, <laughs> like that. And that was the hottest that chick was I saw. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You and know. now it's like fucking, right, they now. don't let me in the room. They have bouncers <laughs> at Hall H now. They're like, all right, buddy. Man. Wrong, <laughs> exactly. It's like the wrong kind of Superman shirt. Where? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladies, you can go in. Sorry, man. You got, Sorry, you man. come back with three chicks. Two of them have to be, <laughs> two of them have to be dressed like Miss Marvel. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We, we lower Miss Marvel. <laughs> so if you can get we a couple Miss Marvels, I'll let you in. We'll take you one Miss Marvel and a Power Girl if you got it, but we need a Miss Marvel in there. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, but, but this year it sounds like it, it's going back a little bit to form. Are you excited to check that out and see? Yeah. It? I mean, the thing I love most about it is because over the years, uh, as a comic book fan, I've gotten to meet, uh, some of my idols. You know, and some people that the art, the artists and creators whose work I love. Absolutely. You yeah. know, like, uh, you know, Judd Winnick and Mark Wade and Gail Simone. It's a chance to see those people. Oh, like, Gail, Gail Simone killed me the other day. She, she put up a Facebook post that was, uh, it saying? was like, Hey, oh DC, God. like, we're really not paying enough attention to Batman here. He needs some more books. <laughs> like, I've had enough of four Spectres a month. Like, and it went on. It was the whole, everyone was joking about how there aren't enough Batman books. And oh, like, we're tired of all this Wonder Woman's, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> wait, wait, actually, this, this is a good place to find something out. Is the Spectre black? Yes. Currently? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Christmas. No, they changed. Wait. Did he really? They killed off the black. Well, wait, no. They killed off the... What's his name? Crispus Allen? Was that the guy's name? Crispus Wait, Allen seriously? His name was Crispus Allen? Yeah. That was... <laughs> so, oh, come on. I mean, come That's on, That's like somebody puts black into Wikipedia. It's better than what, it's better than what the uh, Jews got. We, we need a name. We need a name. Uh, uh, Crispus Attucks. Hey, that's the first black guy killed in that. Yeah, let's reference that. That's a great... Uh, that's, a, that's a good black name. At least you like, guys no, got... No, At least you guys got, like, Black Panther and shit. Jews, we have Kitty Pride and Ragman. <laughs> Try to explain to someone who no, Ragman is. Ragman is... is Absolutely. Rory, that's fucked Rory, up. Uh, his father was a rabbi, Ragman. Yeah. He was in the garment trade. What do you want? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. I had no uh, idea. <laughs> but that's great. So Comic-Con's coming up for you. Um, and you're always... You're on, you're pretty, you tweet pretty heavily. Yeah. Right? If folks yeah. want to find you online. Yeah. I'm at, I'm at, uh, my Philomar, all one word on Twitter. I'm there way too much. Double R, right? Have yeah. you, hey, let's, let's, have you discovered Turntable yet, sir? No. What's Turntable? Ooh, anyone in this room know what Turntable is yet? It is the greatest social media site of all fucking time. All right. I'll explain. If you're on Facebook, you can get on it. It is a, I could almost bring it up. I'll show you when we're done. Okay. And like, Neil Gaiman has been going on there and like really you get to it's it's a DJ room. You get to spin records for oh. an audience and people can vote it up or down and there's a chat thing on the side. Okay. So every night all these really kind of cool geeky people have been starting these these Just DJ like, Oh, so it's like music or it's like you put your you, the you songs literally that you dig. You pick what song you dig and if you're up next in the order it plays your song as a little oh, DJ okay. and there's there's five DJs at the table at a time, and you can get like a thousand people in the audience right just listening to music. It's been really, really fun. That's been taking over my life recently. <laughs> because now, are you DJing or are you just commenting? I'm doing both. I'm DJing because my thing with the DJing is I'm trying to sneak my songs in. Like, like certain songs, like have been overwhelming hits. Like, I got a, I got a mix of uh, Young Wheezy with the Office theme, <laughs> or Little Wayne or something. That's the guy's name, Little Wayne. People love it, but Bat Dance hasn't played yet. <laughs> 
I'm like, you, uh, like, so my goal now is to just go on there repetitively enough till I can get someone to like Bad Dance. That's hilarious. Bad Dance. Or like a Flaming Lips song or like random, you know what I mean? Everyone wants to hear like fucking whatever, whatever's popular right now. I literally okay. put on Bat Dance and someone said yeesh. And I, <laughs> I was like, I am out of here. You're talking bad about Batman and Prince and like 89 and like, you don't, you are out of line, sir. <laughs> you are out of fucking line. Like, I don't care about your arcade fire. This is, <laughs> this is Bat Dance we're talking Bat about. Dance. Yeah, if man is to be considered guilty for future Mercy. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> Vicky Vale, like that that's eight songs in one song. <laughs> you don't get that anymore with these with the kid music. Oh, no, but that funny. that's been tearing up my life online the last couple Turntable. of days. Turntable, right. Turntable, definitely check it out. It's been it's been um I like the internet. You do. I'm a fan. And I, the internet likes you. I embrace it, sir. And and, and the internet likes you and, and definitely thanks you for coming by and stopping oh, here with pleasure, it today. Man. It's been a pleasure, man. I've uh, been wanting to talk to you for years. I saw you in a Best Buy parking lot once <laughs> with, your kid, with your kids and I was like, no. I don't, don't, yeah, don't come up to me with my kids. I'll I don't stab you in so. the neck. Yeah, I was see, that's He had a fucking shiv in his hand and I was right, like, whenever oh, I'm with my kids, I have a shiv. He, he comes packing no. so you so you know not to bother him. But uh, <laughs> Phil, it's been it's been a pleasure, dude. Thank you so much for coming by to oh, chat. I hope, I hope we could do this again sometime. Time, you know yes, I, mean? I hope so too. And thank Absolutely. you guys for coming. Yeah, in thanks everybody for coming out to the listening first, first ever bagged and boarded at Golden Apple Comics. Uh, we're going to be doing this a lot more. Um, as you know, like the show is kind of switched up next week. I call it a Brave and the Bold episode, Ooh. which basically is code for no famous people. It's just me and a buddy. Nice. And we just we just chat about geek stuff, and then we we rotate it up with a guest. As always, uh, you can find us on uh, Smodcast.com and Smodcast Internet Radio. Big up to Kevin Smith. And all those fine folks, and uh, and Ryan, and the and the great people here at Golden Apple Comics, sir. Where can people find you online? We already said at Phil Lamar. Uh, yeah, a, but, a website. Uh, PhilLamar.com uh, has the links to my Twitter and my Facebook fan page. Um, that's P H I L L. A M A R R. So it's two L's in the middle, two R's in the end. We got it. And, and, and uh, there's new yeah. Futurama out now. It's coming up. It, yeah. it just started airing, right? And you're recording yes. more. So yeah, everyone... recording more. Oh, and I'm also, uh, this uh, month, I'll be doing a show at the Groundlings called The Black Version. Oh, wow. Which is out, an improv in here show. In LA. Yeah, yeah. Which is an improv show where we, uh, take like a classic or iconic movie and then we improvise oh, no. the black version oh, of it. Oh, I'm there. I'm there. You're gonna have a white dude at the black version. Well, you know, like the black. We uh, a couple weeks ago got uh, um, what you call it? Uh, Silence of the Lambs. But you did the black version. The black version is called Why You Eating People. Oh my God! All right, all right. You're, I now like so you your show by, more you than my show. That. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really fun, man. And uh, you folks, I'm on Twitter at Camelot. I'll do a little pimp corner after. But uh, my other big thing I got going now is I just started this week. I'm the new producer for uh, Jay Moore has a podcast now oh. called More Stories, and the first episode just dropped today. Right on. Which is so if you guys want a pretty uh, pretty crazy lesson in comedy, uh, <laughs> Jay, Jay Moore is the guy to go to. It's a hilarious show, and he's got some amazing guests lined up. So that'll be on the Smodcast Network every week. And of course, check out Bagged and Boarded. Uh, we'll do my stuff after the break. Everyone here at Golden Apple Comics, you're lovely. If you want to come, pet me on the head. I'm bald, so it's fun to like. <laughs> You can rub it for luck. You can hit me or so whatever you want to do. We could talk after the show. I really want to thank you guys for coming out. Uh, my guest Phil Lamar again. Thank you so much. Thank sir. you, Matt. Pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know what? This was my most positive experience in comic book store ever. I worked in them for years. I've shoplifted from them a couple times, but this one, this one went off without a hitch. And I thank you, folks. And we'll be doing it again very soon. Until then, I'm Matt Cohen. It's been bagged and boarded. It's been real. What? <laughs> Live.
Oh shit, sneak attack. What's going on folks? Matt Cohen here, a little after the show action. Wasn't that a fucking awesome episode? Phil Lamar, again, uh, can't thank him enough. What a, what a funny, genuine, great guy. And to find more of Phil on the interweb, check him out on Twitter at Phil Lamar, P-H-I-L-L-A-M-A-R-R. He said the double L thing and it fucked me up for a second, but I realized what he meant. Um, and you check out philamar.com and as he said he's got a he's got a bunch of stuff coming up uh Comic-Con in San Diego Futurama's now on the air check that out and again we can't thank Phil enough uh to find more of my nonsense on the internet follow me on Twitter at cameltoad c a m e l t o a d like a dromedary and a frog not really but like they're close cousins uh you can check out cameltoadproductions.com folks it is back up i am blogging every day that is the hub and headquarters for all things Camel Toad related. Uh, what else we got going on? You can check out bagsboarded.com, which I update sporadically, but should be updating, uh, more often, to tell you the truth, which I will very, very soon. Um, as always, check out the fine other programs on the Smodcast Network and Smodcast Internet Radio, and check out Golden Apple Comics if you're in the Hollywood area and goldenapplecomics.com. Um, another news this week, folks, we have the debut of the new podcast, I Am Proud to Be Producing More Stories, starring everyone's favorite, uh, Saturday Night Live Anum, Bob Sugar himself, host of Last Comic Standing, Mr. Jay Moore, and that is on iTunes right now as we speak. So subscribe it up, comment, and uh, look forward to more of that. Ladies and germs, you've heard enough of me. We'll see you next week, all right? And and remember, your hair looks fine. It seriously looks fine, okay? Bye. Find more funny shit like this at smodcast.com.